0: Go to CloudOptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's CloudOptimizer.com. Hey there, this is the Spoken Edition of Wired. How pollsters missed the bowling alone voters that handed Trump the presidency by Garrett M. Graff. Howard County, Indiana, home to the city of Kokomo, has long been a center for the automotive industry. Or at least it was until that industry and others began to shift overseas in recent decades. By 2008, when Chrysler, the town's largest employer, teetered on extinction, Forbes named Kokomo the third fastest dying city in America. During the financial collapse of 2009, fully 40% of its home sales were foreclosures. In 2011, one of its remaining factories, which made metal utility boxes, closed and laid off 50 workers. In brighter days, Kokomo's nickname had been the city of firsts for the automotive breakthroughs that appeared there, from the first test of Elwood Haynes' horseless carriage to the first push-button car radio. It was also last Tuesday perhaps the first sign that Hillary Clinton wasn't going to win the presidency. The first Indiana polls closed at 6 p.m. Eastern time on election night, and by 6.15, as Indiana's rural counties began to turn in their results, the problem was becoming clear. Howard County's 36,000 voters were going 63% for Donald Trump, 36% Clinton. Matt Lackey, the Vice President of Research and Development at Civis Analytics, one of the leading progressive analytics firms, could tell almost immediately that the night looked bad for the Democrats. It's not that Lackey had expected Clinton to win Indiana, or even Howard County. He knew the Democrats were set to lose Kokomo and its rural surroundings. But he also knew that Clinton shouldn't be losing rural Indiana as badly as she evidently was. Lackey had spent the 2008 campaign as the data director for then-Senator Barack Obama's presidential bid in Indiana, and had, along with loads of other colleagues, managed to help turn the state blue for the first time since Lyndon Johnson. He knew that Clinton's margin in rural America, if she was going to be victorious nationwide, needed to be much tighter. In 2008, when Obama won, the county had split 52% for John McCain, 46% Obama. Last week, as Lackey and his colleagues at Civis, a firm founded by Obama for America alums, watched those first Indiana counties, like Howard, report, he saw that the public polling and the party's private polls had been wrong, which meant forecasts of victory likely were too. We saw this defection in white rural counties that was striking, Civis CEO Dan Wagner says. These counties shifted their vote dramatically. Voters the pollsters missed. How the polls went so wrong has been the subject of endless Monday morning quarterbacking. And while Civis's own internal analysis continues, its early hypothesis about the difference between the public polling and the election night results points to a specific group that might be termed the bowling alone voter, a reference to a groundbreaking book by Harvard sociologist Robert Putnam about the hollowing out of the nation's middle class. It's a group that, if the early analysis holds, might become as infamous in politics as earlier swing voter groups like 2004's Security Moms. The Trump campaign had long argued that there might be a secret, silent majority out there, one that was embarrassed to tell pollsters they were supporting Trump. But Lackey and Wagner, whose work and vision for Civis Wired profiled in July, argue a more subtle phenomenon. It wasn't that these voters were ashamed about supporting Trump. It was that they were never on pollsters' radar to begin with, either because pollsters never found them or they chose not to respond to the polls. As Lackey says, it's unclear whether it was an unreachable problem or a refusal problem. While CIVIS didn't work with Clinton's campaign, it did consult with the Democratic Party's Congressional and Senate races and has spent the days since Tuesday analyzing voter trends. Whereas many election reviews have laid Clinton's loss at the feet of Democratic groups like African Americans, who turned out in smaller numbers than they did for Obama, CIVIS says its early research shows the problem was as much about an unexpectedly high number of former Democratic voters who switched their allegiance to Donald Trump. Civis says it sees evidence that one specific group of voters, a group that disproportionately switched allegiances for Donald Trump, was underrepresented in the polls to begin with. We have strong evidence that this is a support problem, not a turnout problem, Lackey says. We'll have a lot more information in the coming weeks. The problem of how economic woes have made certain groups difficult to reach has been an emerging issue for campaigns and pollsters. In 2008, the Obama campaign struggled to reach Indiana voters as they found that people listed on voter rolls had long abandoned houses in struggling communities. That was an intense realization. What percentage of people had simply moved away, Lackey recalls? Michigan, which saw a surprise primary upset by Bernie Sanders earlier this spring, and also a surprise Trump victory on Election Day, is also notoriously hard to poll accurately because of how frequently people in its economically challenged communities relocate. If you look across the industrial Midwest, you see the same phenomenon across the board, Wagner says. The Rise of the Bowling Alone Voter Since Trump's victory, pundits have been pointing to books like this year's breakout hit Hillbilly Elegy about the dark pessimism and economic challenges pervading the Rust Belt to try to explain how rural voters with only a high school education rose up to overturn the political order and install a reality TV star in the White House who promised to make America great again. Wagner and Lackey say that the key to understanding how the polls failed may actually be an earlier history of the collapse of American community, Harvard sociologist Robert Putnam's 2000 bestseller, Bowling Alone, which traced the growing disengagement of blue-collar white Americans from civic life and the decline of community ties and so-called social capital in these former industrial areas. It's folks who were a part of what used to be the American middle class and aren't anymore, explains Lackey, who grew up in northwest Indiana between Gary and Chicago. It's the people that I grew up with, people who worked in steel mills until they all closed. Thus, Civis posits, while virtually all of the data-heavy sites like Nate Silver's 538 and the New York Times' Upshot forecast a narrow but solid Clinton victory by Election Day, those forecasts, while based on solid historical reasoning and modeling, were possibly built on faulty public poll data. The areas where Trump did better than polls predicted appear to be uniquely focused in places dominated by populations of white voters who never made it through college, areas filled with small towns and rural counties that have been the most disrupted by collapsing industries and the job losses brought on by globalization and automation. What we found this year is there is a difference between those who took surveys and those who didn't, Lackey says. People who took these surveys were more supportive of Hillary Clinton and the Democrats. In many of those areas, counties where as few as one in five might have a college education, Clinton underperformed Obama's totals by 8 to 12 percent. White voters in these areas defected the Democratic Party at a higher rate, Lackey says. Those defections were most striking across the industrial Midwest, as Donald Trump punched through what strategists had termed the blue firewall of the Rust Belt, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan, which had been reliable Democratic territory in recent decades, as well as taking states like Ohio and Iowa that had more recently been Obama territory. The communities where Trump's strength most surprised pollsters closely mirrored the ones highlighted in Putnam's book, both Bowling Alone as well as his more recent Our Kids, which focuses on the nation's worsening economic divide and growing income inequality. Putnam's work traces how the civic institutions of many once-thriving regions have been hollowed out by the collapse of manufacturing jobs. Ottawa County in Ohio, Putnam's home county and the subject of Our Kids, used to have an array of solid middle class manufacturing jobs, which have largely dried up, and local institutions like the United Auto Workers have withered. Last Tuesday, Ottawa County flipped from supporting Obama 53 to 47 in 2008 to supporting Trump 56 to 37. As part of their hypothesis for these bowling alone voters that pollsters missed, Lackey and Wagner point to the fact that in other key states less affected by rural, less educated voters, the public polls were relatively accurate. States like California, Florida, Colorado, and North Carolina came in close to or as expected on election night. And in the Midwest battleground states, failures weren't across the board. Some pollsters who knew their territory particularly well did succeed, Wagner says, pointing to Ann Selzer in Iowa, who correctly predicted that Trump had opened a substantial lead over Clinton before Election Day in a state that Obama won twice, even as other pollsters had reported a nail-biter or even the potential of a Clinton win. Trump won the state by 10 points. Hard to reach households. People in the polling industry have long recognized the challenge of accurately surveying so-called low-education households, where voters might have only a high school education or less. Such households in recent decades have disproportionately faced economic disruptions, which makes them hard to reach in the first place, and traditionally also have a higher mistrust of institutions, which also makes them less likely to respond to polls sociologists know the precision of the u.s census falls in areas with weak community ties or areas where there's a higher than normal mistrust of institutions the latter has been an increasingly large problem for social scientists as distrust of the institutions of American life has risen over recent decades studies have also found that census responses drop in areas marked by low education rates as well as the opposite states with higher overall education educational attainment typically have higher response rates to the census. Civis's theory also points to another, larger problem in the industry. Today's polls just aren't as reliable as ones a few decades ago, particularly as pollsters struggle to adapt to changing technological habits. Polls now need to include not just landlines but cell phones and online sampling, and given the low response rates they might still not be as accurate as a generation before. People are in the middle of a technological transition, Wagner says. It's compromising the use of phones as a tool for political measurement. Yet even as polling methods have changed and response rates have dropped from 70 or 80 percent in the 1980s to single digits in 2016, the general public perhaps continues to rely too heavily on them. There's a larger chance of non-response bias, Wagner says. That's particularly true in situations like last Tuesday, which saw Clinton's seemingly solid but narrow lead within the margin of error of many polls. While there's plenty more analysis and data processing to do in the weeks ahead before anyone is clear on precisely what unfolded Election Day, it'll be important for the polling industry to figure out how its methods need to evolve to capture the changing American electorate. Upholsters are eyes wide open about the problem, Wagner says. It's not easily fixable, but it's fixable. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat.